And welcome to the Men Up Podcast. I am Christian Chabot. Will Van Dyke. Lamar Womble. What up? And thank you for joining us this and every week as we dig into culture, current events, and our own events. And as we redefine manhood and masculinity so that all of us, however you identify, can thrive. We're so grateful that you all are joining us and we are committed to building this community further. So please continue to support us by giving those five-star reviews, if we've earned it, your honest feedback, and your recommendation to friends and family members so that it helps other podcast listeners find the Men Up podcast. All right, y'all. So if you have been with us, you know when we have these big three episodes, when Will, Lamar, and I come together, we like to kick it off with a segment that we're calling Walking the Talk. You'll know that we like to make it clear that we are not experts. However, we are a group of guys committed to doing this work and being vulnerable about the journey. So this season, we're starting with this segment, Walking the Talk where one of us, today will be Lamar, identifies an idea of manhood and masculinity that has maybe been challenging or maybe held him back at times or maybe is doing some work on. So Lamar, the floor is yours. Thank you so much, Shabu. So today, y'all, we um, I'm very excited to talk about this topic um, of of masculinity and sexuality. Um, This has been on my mind, uh, as Shabu knows, for literally months before we even started uh, recording this season's episodes. And so this is just a conversation I really wanted to have. And so um, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. I grew up in actually in a suburb of Nebraska called Bellevue. And I literally was there from the time um, I was in elementary school until I moved to New York in 2013 when I was 30 years old. Now, if anybody knows me, Many of you that listen probably do, some of you don't. Um, I think it's pretty clear that you may identify me and I may identify myself as what we like to call a bro, right? So a bro is somebody that uses the term bro a lot. A bro is somebody that's kind of like jockey. A bro is somebody that is like into sports a lot, maybe into a little bit of wrestling. That's like the nerd the nerd in us shout out to shabu going to survivor series on sunday um but a lot of people would identify me as broy and uh growing up in nebraska uh versus living in new york i've still remained broy but like i have uh uh kind of come into some counterculture as i as i moved to new york or transitioned and kind of started living the life of what it means to be a new yorker which is a likely much more progressive life in general Um, being in New York versus Nebraska. Now, one thing I noticed about living in Nebraska was versus New York that in New York, I have more gay friends now than I have literally ever had in my life. And and the reason I say say it that way and I say it like that is because in Nebraska, not that I wasn't allowed to have gay friends, but when you're in a group of men, straight men um, that are pretty bro-y, right? There isn't room, or at least there doesn't feel like there's room to like actually have a gay friend or somebody who identifies even as bisexual, right? Doesn't feel like there's room for that. And not that I would have not had a gay friend in Nebraska or somebody that identified with me, even a woman, right? As, as a lesbian or bisexual or gay across the board, I didn't know anybody. And I felt like anybody that identifies sexually that way, uh, identify their sexuality that way, were not in spaces that I was in, 
Um, moving to New York, uh, my girlfriend has a lot of gay male friends, um, and I have them befriended many of these uh, guys that she's friends with and have relationships with them, hang out with them, call them, talk to them, uh, and have friends that I would call that that are gay that are like really good friends of mine. Um, and so really this whole topic came to me as like trying to understand better, like why is it that lots of straight, straight men, bros, if you will, are scared, uh, uncertain, or maybe just don't know how to have friends that are, identify as gay. Um, and so that was really the whole idea that I initially wanted to have this conversation. It's gonna evolve into something else, I think around masculinity and sexuality and as three straight men on this, on this podcast, why can't things be a little bit more blurry? Why can't you not say no homo or pause after a man says something that is not gay, but emotionally connected or I love you or something like that? Like, why can't we be comfortable inside of that? How can the straight cisgendered male be more open-minded, be more in tune and have more people that they are connected to, aware of, um, and willing to be a part of their lives, even if they don't identify sexually uh, the exact same. A comment that we got on our podcast that I think that we ultimately ended up removing, but was very like it was sort of on brand for that. And we haven't even talked about this specific topic yet. Like we haven't even gone into this piece. We've we've you know danced around other issues that were related to sexuality and, and and masculinity and those sort of things but the very first the negative comment that we got on this podcast was how about you try to find your testicles you bootlicking coward <laughs> that's the first sentence of the comments and it so encapsulates the mindset that sort of you're talking about which is just like the it, it seems like the some people's only response to entering into a conversation or ha having to hear the even the discussion about this topic is to run to the entire other side of the spectrum and start pointing fingers back at us who are having the discussion and calling us cowards and insinuating that we don't have any sexual organs or whatever right. it is <laughs> as part of that discussion it, it is mind-boggling to me that that's the immediate response to talking about this type of stuff. Lamar, to your, to your, to your point, I, I do think that um, this is something I've spent a lot, a lot of time either unpacking on myself or just sort of exploring and, and you know, the ways in which I, I too have, uh, I think, had maybe more experience maybe even than, than, than many of you around sexuality and just sort of like in, in sort of exploration and things that, you know, uh, have happened, you know, in the past and those sort of things that I think uh, crystallized a little bit of like how I identify and, and at least sexually and all those sort of things. That being said, I think I've sort of moved past the, you know, I'm, I'm in sort of like a post-sexuality sort of mindset where it's like, it doesn't enter into my thought process a lot in terms of how, you know, I'm identifying myself or how I'm, you know, even, even attempting to identify others or anything like that, like in, in prejudgments or anything, it, it really is, is sort of moved 
through me in, in, in a lot of ways of, of how some of that's working. So anyway, um, I, I, I think it's, it's pretty, um, uh, it's pretty crystal clear to me that this is, these are conversations that I'm very comfortable having and talking through. So for both of you guys, Lamar, you know, you started off by identifying that, you know, you grew up in Nebraska for 30 years of your life and then moved to New York, right. And like experience this, this shift that could be identified just as like, you know, going from one place that might be a little bit more conservative to one place that might be a little bit more progressive, right? Like that's yeah. easy way of looking at it that way. Like, but it sounds like, I mean, you also had to grow and mature and shift in, in some ways. Right. So I'm wondering for you, what was some of that work like in shifting your ideas around, you know, sexuality and how it intersects with, with manhood and masculinity and similarly will, right? Like as, I mean, you and I have grown up with each other since we were in third grade, right? And, and are still really good friends. And I know that like, we didn't have conversations like you and I as guys when we were, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, right? That like, you know, we're as comfortable talking about sexuality and manhood and masculinity as we are now, right? So I'm wondering like, what is that work um, that you've had to do. And, I, and I'll certainly answer that too. But, but since both of y'all brought it up, I'm interested what some of that work has been. I think for me, Shabu, I think a lot of, a lot of my willingness comes from like, I was always kind of like the guy that, like the bro, bro guy who, who likes sync is I'm already like, you know, people already looking at me like, what? like, what you mean you like NSYNC? Oh, I love NSYNC. And people now it's like, oh, whatever. Like everyone loves NSYNC. But like when you're, when you're 15 sophomore and like, you're like DMX is out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Bone Thugs and Harmony is out. Like all these like really like rap, rappers, straight cis male, like that are using the term faggot, that are using the term like, you know, negative, like in a harsh way. And you turn around and like, I, I've always been that guy that's been able to just like own the parts of me that are, that other straight men might look at, especially in Nebraska in the time that might look at as like, as gay, right. Or as like, you know, questionable, like, why, why do you like five white dudes in a group that sing to girls? Like, why, why is that something that you like? So there's been like different examples of me being like an in sync liker, but just different things, right. That, that come to mind that like, I've always been able to just be like, yeah, I like them and what? And I, so owning that has allowed me to like always be in a different space. You know what I mean? Like owning that, like I can um, admit when a guy is attractive to me, right? That puts me in a different space. And I've always been able to own that without being like jealous or not jealous, but uh, insecure or, um, scared of criticism or somebody making fun of me for you know being gay or whatever but i've been able to own that and that i think that was like the big part for me so i don't know if that was work as much as it was just like who i am um but being that helps in that particular case um and then i think the second part of it is just like exposure moving to new york and just being going out like i would get hit on a lot by gay men and just like owning that and being okay with it because a lot of straight men are not okay with it like they don't like it and they don't want to be approached and they don't want to be talked to and they don't want to be hit on and like I kind of like 
I'm just kind of like, oh, you into me? That's that's right. Like, you better be into me. You know what I'm saying? But also, like, I'm not trying to go there, but I ain't mad at you for coming up to me and trying to holler. You know what I mean? So it goes back to a little bit of, like, being okay with, like, just what, what the situation is. And so, um, but coming to New York, it was really about, like, exposure and just, like, being around more people who had different sexualities than I did. Um, and then also, like, gaining friends, um, close friends that are also um, of a different sexuality that I don't know if I would have uh, had back in Nebraska. And so exposure is the birthplace of possibility. I love that. That's, that's the first time I've heard that, like, said in that way. So, so I love that. And I wonder, does the exposure, right, does the exposure to ideas around sexuality being much more a spectrum than it is, you know, three distinct choices and that's it, right? And, and I say that because that's the way in which I thought about sexuality when I was a kid, right? When I was a teenager, you know, going into my 20s, right? It, it wasn't until I think I got to college, right? And, and had uh, some space to, to be on my own and, and understand the world and, and, and try to understand and detangle a lot of things here. Um, but I wonder, like, does the exposure have to be like that it's like directly in your community or, or you're physically um, somehow connected to something different than your own experience, right? Like, and, and I don't know the answer to that, right? Because, because you hear a lot that like, oh, exposure is the thing that, that allows for so much possibility or, or allows for people to, to make changes or become more open, you know, when we're talking about identity broadly. But what if you don't live somewhere where you can particularly be exposed to, you know, people that have, you know, different desires that identify differently sexually or any other way? Would I have grown like beyond ideas of like, oh, as a young man, I'm either straight, I'm either bisexual or I'm gay and that's it. Like those are the only options. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, can you, can you grow if you're not like physically exposed yeah. or, or it's like really close to you? Well, I think like, I think like anything else, right. I mean, I think with, um, with the race conversations that we've had, I think with the, um, gender conversations that we've had in terms of like growing your capacity to think differently, you have to want to be exposed. Cause even if you physically can't be in the space or in the room, you have to want to do the work to understand. Right. So that means watching, reading, researching, uh, learning, you know what I mean? What it means. And so that, that becomes a question is that like, even if you're not exposed to it and physically, do, are you interested enough? Do you care enough? Um, and does it mean enough to your world, your small world, not, not the, obviously the whole world, but like just where you exist every day to make you want to go learn more, do more, you know, to, in order to get that knowledge or perspective in order to, to grow. And I don't know how many people naturally have ambition to like, if you don't believe in, if you don't believe in, you know, homosexual relationships, you would probably be somebody that is not going to get that understanding. Well, I don't even know if it's like ambition or like to this, like whether it's ambition to be more open or, or to, I mean, I've heard this idea of like, believe in relationships, whether they're, 
homosexual, bisexual, whatever they like believe. I've heard people say that before. And I know that you're not saying that because I know, I know how you, how you exist in the world, right? Like, and how yeah. you are very open, but I'm like, believe, like, what do you even mean? Like, that's just that, that's what that person, like, that's the life they want to live. Right. And, and for yeah. me, it's like, I, I think a lot of the work I've had to do is around like, how do you, how do I, as a, as a, as a straight white man, just like stop being so judgmental, right? Like, like, I don't need to have an opinion. I don't need to judge somebody else's like relationship or, or how they identify sexually or like what their romantic interests are. Like, I don't need yeah. to judge that. Right. Like I, I need to be clear on like who I am and how I want to exist in the world, but I don't need to judge that. Right. And I, and I think that some of the work that I've had to do over time is understand how, you know, whether it is ideas about being emotionally vulnerable, how that gets intertwined with like how it is somehow feminine in nature. Right. And how that then somehow is intertwined with identifying as anything not straight right? Like, and how all of that, like gets tangled up to, to identify, like they're all exclusive of one another, like two, like none of that is lesser or should be lesser in our society. Right. Like, and so like, that's some of the work, but again, that came to your point, like about being in community with people that pushed me to like, think beyond what I had either grown up in or just the society, like the three of us have grown up in, you know, through our, through the eighties, nineties, aughts, whatever. Um, but then also being in a space where I could do that kind of reflection. Right. And, mm -hmm. and it mattered. There is, there is definitely a hard line for, for straight black men around like uh, homosexuality for sure. And so to your point, <clears throat> you know, as a straight white man, you're saying like, is why am I so judgmental? Right. And I will ask the same of straight black men, why are we so judgmental and scared, right? To, to, to be free in that way, you know what I mean? Because, and also being so judgmental because to your point, people are gonna just be who they are. And I don't, and I don't know if it's like individually judgmental as much as it is uh, collectively, stereotypically judgmental. Um, and so I don't even know if I'm talking about anybody specific as much as I am just talking about like black men in culture, when homosexuality is staring them in the face, there's a, there's a discomfort there. And then it's the third part of that is like the reflection of, well, how do I show up in these moments where I feel vulnerable, emotional, uh, right? And is that, does that make me gay? You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of what you're asking is that like, do these things saying like saying I love you to another man does that make me get like obviously it doesn't but we're so wrapped up that in our society that makes you soft but we know that men need belonging they need love they need connection they need touch all these things that we kind of want to shove into the into the homosexuality category are actually just human needs <laughs> you know and and in the broiest of places, locker rooms, military, the broiest of places are the places where men are probably the most comfortable with their guard down, showering in front of other men, naked, slapping ass, because you know we like to slap ass, right? And <laughs> no, no bullshit though, really. And, and doing things that that 
in society would be probably looked as like, oh, that's gay, right? Quote unquote. But like, those are the things that we need to like build community and feel loved and feel connected to other men. It's interesting. One of our previous episodes on our, our three-part pod shops, Matt, one of our leaders in the men up community, he mentioned that being a part of the wrestling team, it was the first time being like in such close physical proximity with other men. And it was totally acceptable, right? Because it was in the sports context. Right. And, yeah. and he, to his credit, like did that work to realize like, Oh, like, this can translate to other areas of my life too. And I give him huge props as a, as a young man doing that work. Cause I wouldn't have had that understanding at 15, 16, 17. I know I didn't have that kind of understanding. Right. And, and so I think that that's, it's really powerful. Right. And I think it speaks to like generational growth, right? Like, which is really powerful. You mentioned uh, earlier, the article that uh, we were referencing to prep for this episode uh, is an article out of Time Magazine back in 2017. So, you know, it's got a couple of years to it uh, based on a book. It's an excerpt from a book, uh, but the article is entitled Mostly Straight Sexual Fluidity Among Men. And in the article, the, the writer details that, you know, the millennial generation, which we are very much at the oldest part of, right? The three <laughs> of us, uh, being very generous to all three of us right now. Um, we're very much at the oldest part of, but like that generation is just like, one, much more accepting of one another, right? Like um, beyond just ideas of identity, just more accepting, more open, more progressive in relation to other generations. Um, but yeah, I think that like this work around how do we, how do we take these, these moments where it's okay to um, be honest, be vulnerable, be in physical proximity with one another? Like, how do we, how do we, let that be part of our entire life and not just in these moments of sports or, or in this one moment here. And, and again, not judge, not judge ourselves, not judge one another, right? Like that, that's, I think so much of the work. One of the, the questions that I sort of come out of this too, and, and it's the, it's sort of the personal one of like, do you, have you felt, and it sounds like maybe you all have had, but like, have you felt the need to either clarify or, solidify your sexuality in, in spaces or with somebody else who maybe was confused or was, you know, you know, it, have you, have you been presented with that specific example? You've had to say like, Hey, Oh, you know what? Uh, I love the camaraderie or whatever, you know, this experience is, but you know, this is a bridge too far for, for my preference or something like that. I think that that's a, that's a very, you know, sometimes a very real experience. One that's happened to me many, many times. Yeah in the past, but, but those are things that I, I look at that sort of help frame my personal, you know, view. and then, sorry, but the dog barking, but um, uh, one of the other things that I was going to mention too here, which I think is, is, is something that I didn't realize when I was growing up, but I had a very, a very specific representation of um, gay and lesbian and even in some cases, transgendered uh, representation in my life that there was visual representation of, of all of those forms of identity that I didn't know that I was drawing from. And you don't know, and you can't, you don't, you don't lean on that representation until later in life sometimes, because it, for me, at least it, it sort of became commonplace or at least common enough that it, it no longer entered into my questioning of the world and of the existence where I was just like, Oh yeah, some people are like this. Some people are like this this is how all of this works. It, it also helped 
you know, I had multiracial family members and all of these other kind of things that I didn't realize I was able to soak in some of that stuff. So it helps yeah. to frame up conversations like this too, where it's just like, okay, these are the things that, uh, you know, here, you know, the discovery of that representation in the real world happens at different points in people's lives all the time. And I think that that's a key part of all this. I'm going to go uh, get this dog. So she stops whining. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I wanted to say on that. Yeah. So will you ask the question around like, you know, have we, have we ever found ourselves in situations where we had to clarify our own identity, our own sexual identity, our own romantic orientation. And yeah, there have absolutely been moments in my life. And, and as you were asking that question, I thought about that as I have gotten older and, and done this kind of work, right. And I think we've all identified that like there was work for us to do, right. Um, different work, but work for us to do as I've gotten older, as I've done that work, as I have cared less to judge other people, I have cared less about the judgments of others. Right. And so like being in a space of having to clarify, like, doesn't really mean anything. It's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is who I am. Right. And this yeah. is who you are. And both yeah. of those things are great. They don't need to have judgment to them. That's been not only really powerful, but really liberating. Right. And because I think as we were prepping for this episode, I, I kept coming back to this idea that like you will, and I, and other, other guys in my life, particularly when we were growing up, like, I never said, like, I love you. I never really expressed like, you know, deep, genuine care and appreciation. And why was that? Right. I was afraid that that would be taken as somehow I was gay. And there was some work clearly I hadn't done clearly some messaging I got from society that somehow that wouldn't be okay. Right. And, and, and so some of the work that I've had to do is frankly, like there are ideas that I held that were homophobic. Right. And like have had to say like, that was an idea that I had in my head. Right. Like didn't act on it to harm anybody, but certainly it harmed me. Right. Like, and had to move beyond that, had to reform that, had to, had to get more inclusive ideas about the world. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, well, I think, um, you know, two things come to mind in terms of like a line I had to draw. I think one was more casual. One um, was uh, like happening in real time. And they both happened in real time, but like one was a lot more casual. And I felt like I was, there was other people there. And then there was one where I had to make a judgment call my own. So, um, I remember early on when I moved to New York, I was out with my girlfriend um, and I was at a, we were at this club and a uh, gay man was like really pressing me, like really pressing me. And like, like I told you at the beginning, like I'm cool with like being hit on. I'm cool with like, um, you know, having a good conversation. I'm cool with, uh, but I had already kind of said like, hey, like I appreciate the compliment, but I'm not into it, right? You know, I'm good. And dude just kept coming at me, like trying to like grab me, dance on me. And I was just like, this, you know, it's just like, Zena literally had to like step in and be like, okay, like he's good. You know what I mean? Which I, I it just, it, it's such a memory. Like, it's like, wow, like it, that, it, that it came to that. And I don't know like how to classify that, but I think ultimately what that comes down to is just like, that, that's disrespectful to anyone. Like you just don't touch people that don't want to be touched, period, right? Um, it has nothing to do with sexuality, but just general respect. Um, so 
that was that's one that like that really stands out and then i think the the next thing is that that stands out was like i was um in new orleans maybe 2018 in new orleans and um you know i'm out on bourbon street like having a fucking time right and uh like just having a good old time and uh this dude walks by me and he was like oh you're handsome and i was like oh you know well thank you appreciate that. yeah that's and, a great uh, compliment yeah yeah of course and it's true and, you're a handsome well, dude. I mean, listen, you know, I, I'm out here doing what I can do. <laughs> and uh, he goes, he goes, he's like, oh, you should kiss me. And I was like, oh, like, no, nah, no, nah. I'm like, I'm good. And uh, and I and I really had a, a thought in my mind. I'm like, and he goes, so, and then his next statement was, why am I not, like, am I ugly? And I was like, no, it's not that. It's like, I'm just not, like, I'm not gay. And then I was just like, well, I thought about it, I'm like, well, that that's stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, does does kissing a man make you gay? You know, these are the thoughts. Literally in like 8.8 seconds, I'm having all this thought. So I said, I, I said, fuck it. I kissed him. And nothing like crazy, you know what I mean? Like no tongue or anything like that. Just like just kissed him on the lips. And he went on his way. I went on my way. Appreciate the qualifier there. <laughs> What's that? Oh yeah, I well, said yeah, I appreciate the qualifier. Listen, you know, listen, no, just to be yeah. detailed. No, no tongue. It was classy. It was it was a classy. You want to put just, yeah, parental advisory, light, <laughs> light kissing talk. Yeah, just just to be just to be detailed, and 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 it was a moment for me. You know, that was like the the evolution of who I've become, more than anything, um, with like being okay with the uncertainty being okay with kind of living in a, in a, in a, in a gray area sexual, sexually. Um, and, and I'm like, I'm, I would probably identify myself as mostly straight. Um, I don't, I have no, I don't think I would be in a situation where um, it would be me and another man just doing something. But, but if that situation arose, like I, I can't say that I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, I don't know. Um, but I don't think I would be in that situation. So I think, you know, as I think about that experience, um, it, it has definitely opened me up to just definitely being, not that I was judgmental in the first place, but less judgmental. Um, and also I use it as a place of strength and comfort around people, around some of my straight male friends that know that this, that, that happened to be like, dude, like, it's all good. Like be living who you are, be, be what you want. There's no, there's no limits or, or boundaries for you as a, as a straight dude, you know what I mean? To what you can or can't do, um, out of fear of being judged for not being called straight or being called gay or whatever. Um, and, and I, you know, that's kind of where I, where I exist in it. And those are the two things that kind of stand out to me over the last bunch of years that made me want to also have this conversation, but also um, you know, push on straight men to, to, to be like, it's okay, bro. Like, it's all good. Well, I think that's where we can leave it for today. Right. And I'm reminded of, you know, we're, we're recording this episode in the holiday season here. We know in the holiday season that we have family, we have community that comes together. Right. And, and I think what I'm reminded of here is the need to have 
conversations that are complex in nature, right? Whether it is around identity, whether it's sexual identity, whether it is racial identity, whatever the identity uh, is, right? And the intersectionality of all of that, it's important for us to be having conversations with the people in our communities, right? Because I think like that's ultimately how we get beyond, to your point, Will, the like, this idea that our society is founded in of keeping people in a box, right? And, and I think like that's, you know, with Men Up Podcast, right? Like for every episode, for every season, right? That's been our goal, right? It was, is how do, we, how do we get beyond the boxes? How do we get beyond the dynamics of either this or that, black or white, right? Like, and so encourage people to, to be in conversation, to struggle through those conversations, to not have the answer, but ultimately come to these gatherings in the holiday season and beyond in a space of like wanting to have really complex conversations with the people that matter in our lives. Well, before we wrap up today's episode, uh, y'all know that we always like to leave space uh, to identify the areas, the moments in which uh, we haven't lived into our greatest selves, where we've made mistakes or missteps. And so it's a segment that we like to call calling your own fouls. Lamar, I'm going to pass it over to you. I know that there was a foul that you wanted to call for yourself. So over to you. The last couple of weeks, we had episodes of young leaders and um, having their conversation around a workshop presented to you all, the audience around um, uh, masculinity and, and, and how to work through it and all that. And I just didn't hold up my end of the bargain in terms of like promoting those episodes at the level that I could have. Um, and obviously there was a lot going on, but I said that I would, I didn't do it. And I just wanted to apologize uh, to you, Christian, about that. And um, yeah, to say that uh, going forward or whatever the next group of thing is that I'll be, I'll be back on, on track with that. It was such a good series of, of, of workshops. Um, I, I'm going to piggyback on Lamar's just to say that, you know, I, I think I turned myself into a fan almost of the podcast a little bit, a listener of the podcast rather than a participant and, and, and where the failure in that was then, you know, doing the promotion as well, like, like normal, but that was great, great work by those guys and, and, and by you too, Shabu. Well, thanks guys for, for that acknowledgement. And, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that honesty, that vulnerability around integrity. Uh, but also know that I am incredibly grateful for the two of you in continuing to be a part of Men Up and, and signing up every season uh, to do this work for ourselves and, and for others. So, so thank you. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you're leaving with a level up and that you'll join us again on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for the rest of season three here. So please subscribe, review, and spread the good word so that we can all redefine and thrive. We appreciate y'all. The Men Up Podcast is a Grin and Bear production. The soundtrack is courtesy of Mike McGinley Music and visual artwork by Viotti Design Studio. Video clips from each episode are edited by Joe Oliveri. The executive producer and editor on the Men Up podcast is me, Christian Shaboud. You can listen to us every week on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or by visiting themenup.com.